Hello and welcome along to the RT Rugby Podcast. The World Cup is behind us now and we have our eyes planted on the BKT United Rugby Championship. A big Interpro win for Connacht at the weekend. They are three out of three after their victory against Ulster. Munster and Leinster also picking up wins last weekend. We'll look back on those and look ahead on this weekend. Ulster and Munster at Kingspan Stadium. That's the big game of the week on Friday night. Live on RT2 and RTE Player. Connacht away to Edinburgh on Saturday. Leinster away to Dragons on Sunday. That's live also on RT2 and RTE Player. With me this week, Bernard Jackman as usual. And also delighted to welcome on former Munster and Leicester wing, Johnny Murphy to the podcast. Morning, fellas. Morning. Morning. We'll um we'll get straight into it, guys, because uh, there's a lot to cover this week between the the Interpros and, and the rest of the games as well. But we'll start with last weekend's Interpro, Connacht's 22-20 win against Ulster, coming from 23 down to maintain their 100% start of the season, the first time in nearly 10 years when they've done that. And Birch, a bit of a a bit of a statement win from Connacht. I know it's very very early in the season, but if you look at how last year went, where they lose three in a row away from home to start things out. This time round, three victories out of three, all at home. But it gives them a nice little bit of breathing room heading into a tough run of away games coming up. And when you consider how poorly they've started seasons pretty much regularly over the last 10 years, like it shows that they're a side that generally build as the season goes on. So this is an absolutely, absolutely great platform. Yeah, and especially for a new coach, a head coach of Pete Wilkins. I know he's familiar with Connacht. Um, but it just we saw Graham Roundtree last year and the start they had and the negativity and pressure that, that created. Um and in fairness, Munster dealt with it incredibly well. But um it's always a challenge to to do that. So I think Wilkins and, and obviously his new coaching team, which is full of young coaches, you know, Collie Tucker, um, John Muldoon, uh, Scott Fardy and and Mark Sexton. Um, are, are are they get instant results? I suppose for for what obviously was a long preseason, and I think speaking to one of the Connacht uh, backroom staff, they said when you're going to make a change like Connacht made and and bring in new voices and try and change things up, a World Cup year is probably the best year to do it because you have an extra long preseason. Plus, to be fair, and and, and they're honest about this, Connacht don't lose a lot of their players for you know for that World Cup preparation as well so obviously Bundy uh, Mac and Finley were gone but they the rest of the lads were there and um, it gave them a real chance to to implement what they wanted to do differently and yeah the the, the, the results were good that was probably their worst performance of, of all three to be honest even but what was more interesting and remarkable was um, the comeback and uh, the resilience they showed the calmness they showed and I think Wilkins would be delighted with that and they've got a winnable away game next week in, in Edinburgh, I think, this weekend. Um, and then they go to South Africa. So uh, they could be in a really good position. Um, you know, they're in a good position now, but even next week with the first away game, I think they, they definitely would feel that they have the tools to win there. Yeah, and like, Johnny, the, the comeback element is a big part of it because we've, like, I was there at the sports ground on, on Saturday night and... People were going there with a good bit of expectation about what Connacht were going to bring against an Ulster side as well that was fairly depleted. And everything was lined up for Connacht to have one of those days that we've seen so often where they come in, there's great expectation after a couple of results and they just let themselves down. And after 44, 45 minutes, it looked like we were getting one of those nights all over again. But to their credit, pulled themselves out of the hole and 
that's something surely that has to stand for them for the for the next couple of months at least. Yeah, I think it shows kind of a deep belief in what they're trying to do and how they're trying to achieve it. So they never they didn't go off. They obviously had a couple of errors, you know, execution and and things didn't go their way, but they kept kept plugging away. And then you look at when they clicked into gear in that last kind of 20, 25 minutes, the style they played, how good they were, their accuracy levels. Um, it obviously shows that the plan that they're trying to implement, they all have deep belief in it. Um, and everyone with, you know, with World Cup years, it as Bert has already said, it gives them their opportunity to, to, to really, you know, make a mark early in these four or five games while teams aren't, are, are missing the majority of their, of their internationals. You look at what they did in 2015 and, you know, this opportunity that they have now with, with three wins, you know, there, everything leads to being hopefully four out of four for them. Um, but they've, uh, you know, a good, really good kind of tight, tight, core squad of guys that have come through kind of different pathways, uh, some homegrown, um, others from from other academies in the country. And uh, yeah, they just seem to be really kicking on. I know Mark uh, from their attack coach, Mark Sexton, from his work in uh, uh, in the school, in, in the school space and the club space um, over in Leinster. And he's a top, top quality coach. And uh that's really starting to show now and they're only, you know, okay, they're, you know, maybe 12, 14 weeks in from a preseason, but, you know, they're only three games in and it's only going to get better as he layers and layers on on their attack over the next two, three months. Yeah, and like, uh, on Mark Sexton, Birch, and, and you did a good piece on Against the Head on Monday night as well on how sharp Connacht's attack has looked in these first few games as well, but obviously he has a bit of profile because he's Johnny Sexton's brother, but it is great to see an Irish coach getting a gig like that because there has kind of been a there's been a a lack of Irish coaches getting high profile gigs in Ireland over the last few years yeah well, and look at there's a reason for it I mean our, our coach development um, pathway uh, structures is, is, a, is a bit of a joke um, it's been very much neglected under under last probably the last six seven years um, and fellas who, who got through it have done it in spite of the system rather than because of it to be fair um uh, and and Sexton has been very driven and focused on on that, uh, on his own personal development. Uh, worked with as Johnny said in Mary's school, um, got involved in some of the pathway uh teams in in Leinster, um, actively upskilled. Then took the opportunity to move to Galway to go to the Con- Leinster Connacht Academy, um, and that's been a really good, the academy in Connacht. If you think about it, you know you have Nigel Carroll and you have Jimmy Duffy. Um, you've Collie Tucker, uh, who have and, and now Mark Sexton, who have trans, uh, have come through there, and it's no surprise when you see like, um, when coaches go from an academy to senior level, they tend to understand better what's there in the system and tend to bring them through, you know. And Connacht now have a lot of good young local players uh, as well, so it's partly down to what they got in the academy in terms of those coaches, but also it helps when. If someone fighting your case um, at selection meetings as well, you know who's now a senior coach. So I think, I think that's great. And, and look at I said I said on I guess the head. I spoke to JJ Hanneran, um, who has been in good clubs. He's been in good clubs. He's been in Munster. Um, he's been in Claremont. He's been in Northampton, and he's been blown away by Mark Sexton. You know, and like uh, when someone says speaks that strongly about somebody, um, you know they're good. You know, you know they're good. Uh, so yeah, and then I. 
well, in fairness, I, I'd watched the first two games and that, that, that's kind of why I, and I, 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 was, I was excited about their attack and that's why I went out, out went to speak to JJ. Um, and then when he said that, it made me even more interested. So when I put it all together, like, uh, whatever I showed him against the head was two and a half minutes or something like that. But um, originally I had like 13 minutes of very good attack uh, over uh, cut after three games. And obviously that wouldn't work on TV. But uh, that's that was a sign that uh, like there was a lot of good stuff there. And um, there's a lot of good stuff that I would like to show that I had to leave out. So and that's actually quite a lot over three games, to be honest. You know what I mean? Uh, to be fair. So they're doing things right. Um, and, you know, with Jack Carty played on, on Saturday, it continued. Um, and everybody seems to understand, you know, the philosophy and their skill set's good. And look, at, I'm not, we're talking them up here and they deserve to be talked about in a positive way. Do I think they'll be lifting the silverware at the end of the season? Probably not. And I mean, they probably, still, even with Bundy and Mac back in there um, and Finley, obviously they'll be better. But, you know, they probably don't have the the out and out power or depth that the big the big teams do, but certainly um, they're making the most of what they have. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go into the office tomorrow and I'm gonna start petitioning for the Burner Jackman director's cut to be released. Version that we're getting, no. the people want that will give the people what they want. The problem is, Neil, when you cut everything like I do, you end up uh, being on maximum storage all the time. So uh, <laughs> uh, you, you can you can um, petition for uh, for iCloud for me or something like that. But uh, no, I, I think I think uh, no. Look, no one want to see that thirty minutes, but uh, it's just it's just I suppose it's more evidence that they're they're doing good things with the ball. What was what was really good to see, Johnny, as well, was just how aggressive they were, and obviously they were chasing it, but. Like Jack Carty, I thought in those final 20 minutes, 25 minutes, took a lot of big gambles and they paid off. They were three points down. They had a penalty straight in front of the post. Uh, or sorry, no, it, uh, I'm thinking of the first try. They had an opportunity to pull three points back, went for the corner and got their uh, and got their score. Later on, he missed it. You know, later on, they went for it again. They missed the opportunity. He tried to go for three points a few minutes later and missed out. And all those things could have added up and brought a lot of frustration to him and forced some mistakes. But when it came down to it, those last 10 minutes, got another penalty uh, out around the halfway line and stuck it down into the corner. It was such an aggressive kick at that stage of the game, particularly for someone who's had a couple of mistakes and a couple of calls had backfired. There was some really, really ballsy stuff from Carty and Connacht in those last 10, 15 minutes. You know, it shows great mental resilience and strength to to really push that. But again, as I said already, it shows deep belief in what they're trying to do. And they know that there's obviously an environment there that, you know, Jack has has the, you know, the clearance and the, the backing to go for those big plays, which means that if they don't come off, he'll still be backed up. You know, they'll they'll back him up. And that comes from confidence within uh, within the group and then the confidence that the coaching staff show um show show to the players you know day in day out and they obviously they want to be brave they want to play with the ball in hand um uh, they want to be physical you know if they want to play the quick game that they have you have to look at you know how aggressive they are and how um you know how accurate their breakdown is going to be and that's a big element of of what they're trying to do but you know, they feel that they obviously clearly have a, a view that we're going to be brave and we're going to back ourselves to to get the job done. And that very much came through on uh, at the weekend. And 
I think that the standout player in these first three games, arguably, potentially across the league, never mind just for Connacht guys, but Kyle Ford, who we've seen plenty of him over the, the last couple of years at this stage. He was a lot of maturity last year when he was the person picked ahead of Bundy Aki when Aki was dropped. And that takes a lot out of a 20, 21 year old uh, at the time. But in these first three games, he's looked really good, constantly getting on the ball, really, really physical in defense. And Johnny, he scored two tries as well. And there's, I said yesterday, he passes the eye test as well, because when you see those tries, they're first phase off set piece and he's coming back against the grain with really intelligent running lines He's not just kind of getting the ball and running straight or, or trying to do everything on his own. He he looks like a really, really mature player for, for someone just 22 years old. Well, this is a prime example of the kind of pathway really working well. You know, like he's a Corinthians, um, you know, a Corinthians player um, again. And what Bert said earlier on, that he's been under Mark Sexton's tutelage for the last couple of years. He's come through that pathway. He's worked very closely with him. But I think, you know, it just shows that um, you know, their pathway is very, very good from both a player and coaching perspective with what they've produced uh, from a coach and now what they're starting to produce as as players within their own path within their own pathway. And uh obviously someone like Mark who has worked with him so closely knows what he's capable, he's seen him every single day, and they're really backing him. And at that age, in a World Cup year, he always knew he was going to, you know, he was involved quite a lot last year, but he knew that that spot was going to be his if he remained injury-free for the three, four weeks while Bundy was away. And World Cup years are where players can make careers because, you know, if you're 21, 22 and there's someone away for four or five weeks and they come back and they're a bit sluggish, you've had the start on them and they have to adjust back in you know, Leicester was the same when I was there for the two for the for for the World Cup years. Uh, Munster was the same. You get an opportunity, and you are first choice. It's clear you're there in those positions because they're gone. That gives you so much confidence, and um, he's very much taken his opportunity over the last 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 three weeks, and he's going to go from from strength to strength. I think, um, but I I just think it's a real credit to the pathway system that they're building in uh in Connacht and it's you know fair juice to them. Can I just come in on that? Yeah, yeah, go it, ahead. It actually um probably Connacht and the Connacht Academy deserve more credit for getting the player like Colin Ford or Jim McCallan or Dylan Tierney Martin, etc. to the level because um effectively and Johnny would know this, Johnny's director will be of Newbridge College, that and the Leinster schools at the moment is Effectively, fellas are coming out of that nearly ready. Like they're 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 technically, tactically, uh, physically in, in a really good place, and you're literally just putting on the last layer of them. Uh, whereas, and this is it's just a function of the of the system down there. And I'm not unfortunately, but the reality is that the Connacht schools and clubs they don't have the resource that that the Leinster schools effectively do. So the 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 professional entity Connacht, you know, need to mind them. Uh, and have more involvement in in those players outside of what they get day to day, and but yet they've been able to you know last last in in the summer in Cape Town or in Stellenbosch, you know there was about four four or there was three kind of back kind of players anyway in the backline uh, mix who were at the same level as the Leinster, the Munster, or the Ulster players, and in some cases better. So they have done a really good job of filling those gaps where resource wasn't there. Or the or the national competition structure isn't 
the natural competition structure isn't as tense, obviously, as as something like the Leinster Schools, which is is hugely competitive. Yeah, and Johnny, like, I, there's probably a nice incentive, or it's probably an attractive place to go, Connacht, for a young player as well. Like I use the example of of Keen Prendergast, who I'm pretty sure you would know from from back in Newbridge. He's still in his early twenties. Saturday's game against Ulster that was his fiftieth appearance for the province. So some of those players maybe they might be a little bit disappointed that they that they didn't get a look in with a Leinster Academy or something. But if you if you're a young player going to Connacht and you've got a lot of promise, there is a lot of early first team opportunities available for you where you can really really get a head start. Yeah, the opportunity is there, and then it's just about you taking that opportunity when you get it. You know, Keane is, um, I know Keane very well, you know, his, you know, his mental resilience and his mentality is second to none. Uh, his, he's a real standard bearer and standard driver within any environment he's, he, he's in. Um, and yeah, that's kind of for people, you know, even like Jack Anger to get over those disappointments of, you know, not getting a contract in your home province to be able to travel, go and then back it up. And then, you know, Put, take the opportunity you're given and you know there's only so much opportunity you can be given without you having to take it yourself and that's that's what the guys go there as they they take it and and they run with it and they're clearly backed you know there's obviously uh you know they instill a confidence in all these guys um and the coaches back back what they have and they consistently you know bad above their average and it's it's really really good to see first before finally before we move on from from connacht any other players you just want to mention from these these first three games obviously mentioned Cal ford and and keen prendergast but kind of blades as well yeah didn't Tierney martin i think um obviously shane delahunt who was a great stalwart has has moved on um heffernan uh has an injury and you know, Dylan Terry Martin. We saw we've we've seen loads of them over the last couple of years, but um Is he is he first choice is he is he first choice now? When well Hefford he's he's putting up to Hefford and he's one of those players Johnny said, you know, you come back from an injury or World Cup and someone's got a run of games. Certainly um he's impressive uh and is is more than holding his own, you know. Um and he's still a youngster um with lots of lots of potential to grow. And then I think Caelan Blade you know, obviously last year we saw him pass out Kieran Marmium and, and win that battle, which had been they've been going neck and neck for about four or five years. Um the criticism or the, the concern about Ken Bade was his passing game back in the day, but I think his pass has improved um a lot. But not many can do what he can do ball in hand. Um like he is he is a, a proper breaking uh, running nine. And yeah, I, I think when he plays for Connacht, obviously he got it looked like quite a serious injury. So I'm not sure if he's going to fit this weekend, but he's been amazing for them in the in the two and three quarter games he's played. Right, Ulster. We'll move on to them now. It it was a strange game from their point of view because it was probably closer than some people thought it was going to be when the teams were announced. But then obviously you have the the massive frustration from being seventy or twenty points to thir- twenty points to three ahead early in the early in the second half. Do you take? Uh, how do I put it? Is the second half collapsed, Johnny? Is it a bit more understandable when you step back and take a look at the long list of availabilities they had? Is it a little less frustrating than it might have been on another day, considering 
how many inexperienced players were out there? Or is it still just like if you're head coach, for example, that day, is it still just as frustrating? I think it's still just as frustrating but on the day, but then when you sit back and look at it as an over as an overall, you have to take in everything you've just said. The amount of guys that are injured, uh, the internationals that are away. Um, but you would hope that a team that goes 23 up is has the ability to close the game out. Um, and that probably comes with inexperience. Um, you know, being that up, do they do they switch off? And then they switch off clearly and give Connacht the opportunity to get back into games, be it through penalties, uh, you know, in between those tens, which allows Carthy, for instance, kicking, you know, that absolute screamer of a penalty to the corner. Um, that comes with inexperience and not being able to to close to close those games out. So hopefully, from an Ulster perspective, they can really learn from that. Um and take that into uh, into this weekend. But it is it's always hard when you're missing your internationals and then you have a long list of in, a long list of injuries on top of all that. It can be very, very difficult um for uh for any squad to manage that. Um but you know they've guys that are 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 are, are stepping up that have kind of earned their trade in in the AIL over the last couple of last couple of years, be it Jake Flannery or uh, Dave McCann, who's played a lot with Bambridge, but they still have to be able to to close that out. And I think that'll be the biggest thing on a review that, you know, when you get 17 points up, you you need to kick on and just close that out. Yeah, Bert, Johnny mentioned Dave McCann and he's someone I wanted to to talk about as well. Um, he was on the bench, obviously, on Saturday, but came on after a couple of minutes after that, uh, that injury to, to Ruben Crothers. Um, he looks like he's going to another level now this year. He's someone who's, who's yeah. been around a good bit in the last year or so and has kind of built up his bit of experience. But when you look at the wider Ulster squad now, when you're picking a first choice back row week on week, he's right in that mix, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's ready. I, I think he's ready. And look, he got his chance obviously early because of the injury to, to Ruben Crotter. So again, it's someone that is pushing there. So probably for four or five years, we were concerned about it being very much Ulster backs coming through um from the academy with you know uh, and lots of them and there was no forwards but now we've got two back rows I think in McCann and Crothers who um who look really exciting and, and particularly I suppose McCann who we've seen a bit more of um and I, I think you're right I think he will be very much in that rotation for first team places um in that back row and, and obviously um Dave Ewers was out last weekend um Ulster would probably need him to to be a big impact, to have a big impact, um, as that big ball carrying, uh, forward that they obviously lost when they didn't when they lost Marcel Cotia, replaced him with something different from Mullen. But I think they need that. Um, uh, and McCann, McCann's not the type of player, but he is. He, he's very strong in 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 kind of all areas. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what Dan McFarland does with him and and who he who he shares game time with or who he replaces. Yeah, they're looking a lot healthier this week in terms of personnel for taking on Munster in a short turnaround as well. Ian Henderson, McCloskey, Herring back, Balakoon, John Cooney, Ewers is back as well, Kieran Treadwell. So they should be able to put out a, a pretty good team. Are they are they in a bit of trouble, though, Birch, around Tighthead at the moment for the short term where Tom O'Toole and Marty Moore both out injured James French, who's pretty inexperienced, is out for this weekend as well. And that leaves them with uh, Greg McGrath, 
Andy Warwick probably swapping over to tight end, mm. and then someone like Ben Griffin, who's a promising player, but straight out of the AIL. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a huge worry for him. I thought he got away murder in the scrum the weekend. I thought French, um, French was very lucky, and and uh, 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 they survived. Uh, and actually, probably won a few penalties that are uh, uh, penalty and free kick that I don't think deserve. But um, you know, with him being out again and going down a little bit lower into it, Warwick moving across is far from ideal. Uh, I, and I think realistically, I think it's a sign of of maybe financial pressures that they're going to go into this season with the the props that they have. Obviously, Kitchoff's coming in is a, is a big signing on the other side, um, but. Realistically, yeah, I don't know if they have the depth across because you're going to get injuries in, in, in the front row. And obviously, the Hooker, they're incredibly well stacked. Um, and Lou said you could argue that they're, 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 they'll be fine. Uh, but on the other side, um, uh, that they're definitely going to be in trash. I'd say if Dan McFarland had his way, they'd be looking to get a medical joker in now just for the next two or three months, you know, because um, you just can't be that light. And expecting players to step up from AIL and be able to compete, you know, it's 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 a, it's a lovely surprise when they do. Um, uh, but particularly a player, a young player, um, it's it's a at tighter prop is a is a big big ass. So that'd be a big concern for man. Sure, an area the monster will look to uh, to to target in a big way. The the wider the wider point with Ulster this season, Johnny, like two wins out of three decent enough start you know the, the win against Zebra wasn't particularly impressive but did well against the Bulls if they can get a win this weekend against Munster with a lot of players back they're still looking in very very good shape but is there is there an element of kind of this is a bit of a make or break season for them considering the journey they've been on over the last few years uh, a few near misses along the way they'd built up from a fairly low ebb when Dan McFarlane came in to the point where they were challengers for a title but we're still really struggling to take that final step and if you look at the the squad that's there the talent they have in the back line is there an element that this is the year that it has to come together or otherwise you're probably just going to start going on that that down slope uh, yeah I completely agree I think they're kind of always um, there thereabouts but they need to take the 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 next step they've been like that even since I was playing they were always kind of in and around kind of you know semi-finals or quarter-finals but never actually kind of got to to pull the trigger on it and I think you know the fans up there and also you know the background the the senior management they need to see some type of reward in terms of you know, silverware, uh, it's going to be hard for them, but I think that they have the quality, the names that you mentioned there that are starting to return, you know, they're the, the majority of the spine of their team now, that should allow them to to kick on a bit um, and push towards that, that kind of playoff position in the URC, but I do think it's kind of now or never for them, um, because they've been close enough, but still very very far away so they need to to take that next step and 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 push on to to try and get some medals around their neck that leads us on to to monster who are heading to belfast this friday night and johnny like it has all the makings of an absolute belter of an interpro when you consider ulster will be hurting after last week they're getting a good few players back into their squad and with a home game you presume most of them most if not all of them are going to be playing this weekend 
Graham Rowntree was kind of non-committal. He was a bit coy yesterday about how many of their internationals are going to play, but you'd have to assume some of them will be will be coming in this weekend. So it's um after a good interpro last week, it feels like the the stakes are just going to be ramped up a little bit more again on Friday night. Yeah, I think so. And like it's always nice to get back in after we're we're a cup year, get back into an interpro if you are coming back in, it gives you something to kind of that's a high level. So I'm not sure how many will be available. I think a couple of the lads were still on holidays last week, the guys who started. So, um, you know, um, but there will be some entries back in. Um, Munster are, are, are going well. Um, you know, I think there was a lot made of their kind of draw over in Italy, but at this time during a World Cup, it can be a difficult enough place to go and and get a win. And, you know, it can be a difficult place any time of year to, to go and get a win. So, um, I think they're in a good spot. They're they've improved again for 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 in my opinion. Um, and I think they're going to be contenders. But this stage of the year, with everything that happened last week with Ulster, I think they have an opportunity to go and get a statement win so early on with not a full you know not a full team, but go up to Ravenhill, difficult place, and 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 get a win, which I think would be, you know, which would lead into. You know they've got the Stormers after, and then they've Leinster away, which is the one tough run of fixtures coming up. Like yeah, tough, tough run of fixtures, um, you know, and then Glasgow at home. But they, you know, I think this this one is is one that they they will target. You know, a few few guys coming back into the fold, but yeah, they're in a they're in a good spot. Um, and I think that they'll they'll uh, I think it's going to be a tight game, but uh, but I'd fancy them to go up and do a job up there. Mm. And Birch, like you mentioned, Ulster would potentially be looking at getting in a, a medical joker as tight head prop. Do you think Munster would be considering trying to get some sort of a short term signing at out half? Tony Butler, obviously, Joey, Joey Carberry's out for a few months. Uh, you Jack Crowley, obviously, who's going to be starting. Tony Butler did a decent enough job at the weekend, but but even still, you're still operating with just two out halves. And if if one of Butler or Crowley gets an injury, you're in a good bit of trouble. Okay, you've Rory Scannell who can cover. Antoine Frisch played with the Barbarians that I would have during the summer, but you're not really sure how how long term an option that would be. Do you think they'd just be keeping an eye to see what's out there for a two three month? Yeah, look, I think the problem is they lots all the problems would love to be able to dip into that, but it's 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 at the moment it's no, it's not not out. So um, there's no point. There's no point looking over the over the. Uh, over the fence, uh, something you can't have. So, um, no, the, uh, John, Johnny Sexton is not going to make an emergency signing. Uh, you'll be right anyway. I don't think that would be some turnaround. That'd be the turnaround of all turnarounds. Um, no, it's uh, no, they're not. They're not allowed, from what I understand. So they'll have to kick on. Uh, Butler's a good young player. Um, the problem if you play Frisch at ten is. Is they probably want to play him in the center with uh, Nankabil. So, um, and then you're basically burning up game time on him in a position that he's probably not going to play the big games in. So I think it'll be Scannell um, next, that will be the next option. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Johnny. I think Munster, you know, they went through the pain of obviously changing how they want to train, play, etc. and had all that injuries and, and struggled with getting it right. And then once they clicked, um, it, it obviously led them to a URC. And I think if you're an Ulster fan, like probably for... For two or three years there, Ulster were ahead of Munster, I think, in terms of the next best to Leinster. And they didn't capitalise on that. They didn't pick up that trophy that Munster obviously have now. And 
Um, uh, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what that does for Munster Rugby. Um, they have a big high profile game uh, coming up again, haven't they, this year? Um, Crusaders. In Park, yeah, in Parky Creeve. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, like, that's, you know, that, that that's that's massive. You know, it's massive because, like, um, that's effectively what North Champ, North versus South champions uh, in hemispheres. It'll be a huge night, a uh, huge game. Uh, we saw, I think, the, the game against South Africa last year in Parky Creeve was massive for them, you know, massive for them in terms oh, of... Oh, and I, I was there. It was a, like, yeah. it was a, the weather was brutal, but it was a roaring success. Yeah. yeah. And like, honestly, it's, it's amazing how things like that can just kickstart things, um, change the whole perception of of what, what's going on. Um, the team that night, obviously, were shorn of internationals, but played incredibly well. And and yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that are happening for Munster that, that you would like. Obviously, on the other side of the coin, I mean, the injury to RG Snyman is is a massive blow, you know. Um, and there's a bit of talk about John Klein being a target for Leon, etc. But in general, I think Munster are in a in a in a really good place, despite the, obviously the the concerns around ten as well in, in terms of injury. Yeah, and like on the second row issue, as you said, RG Snyman is out for what Graham Rountree said is going to be months rather than weeks. Um, John Klein kind of uncertainty around his his long term future there beyond the end of this season. Interest from Leon reportedly, but Roundtree gave the impression they're going to be doing whatever they can to keep him. But on the flip side, the performances, Johnny, of Edwin Adogbo and Tom Ahern over the last few weeks shows and, and throw Tyg Byrne in there, who's who's back as as of this week. Um, they're fairly well stocked in the second row. As as much as a, a blow as it is to lose someone like Orgy Snyman, they're they're still looking very, very healthy there. And Tom Ahern is someone who just he looks like he's beefed up over the last few months pretty much missed out on all the last season due to a shoulder injury and to hear what Graham Rountree was saying about a dog bow yesterday um I haven't heard him speaking about a player uh with such potential in in the last few years that he's been there there's a lot coming through there at second row yeah and I think that that's that's a really you know they have depth there, you know, and they have opportunity. And sometimes you just have to invest in youth and give them their opportunity and, and go on. So same and injury, yes, it's that is a big blow for them. Um John Klein, I don't, you know, the reality is, is are they going to be allowed to keep him because he's a non-qualified player? Probably not. They already have a, a a non-Irish qualified player in that position. So it depends from an injury profile what happens with Snayman and whether they're going to keep him or not. But they have two really good young second rows that are hungry and 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 have an opportunity to 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 kick on with. So, you know, that's again another good thing of the pathways that people have previously been given out about Munster that their pathway wasn't good enough and they were fishing in other kind of ponds, um, for, uh, for fords and 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 stuff. So I think that this. This shows that their pathway is starting to to produce good players that are able to play. And you're not going to find out whether these guys are going to mix it with the top level or not unless they, um, you know, unless you give them the opportunity. There's a couple of really good young second rows uh, as well at lower underage stuff. Um, I've coached kind of an 18s, uh, 18s development side. There's really good young second row there um, and a couple other at under 20 levels. So they have they have a really good depth chart there across all age groups. So, you know, it's I think it's time that they 
give them their opportunity and uh, and invest in the in the youth. Yeah, and Bernard particularly as well with a hern and a dog, but they're the they're physically the kind of players that we don't produce a lot of in Ireland. A hern is six foot eight, and you see him this season. He is he certainly has filled out more than he was two years ago. If you hold up pictures side by side, and we see a dog, but still just I think twenty one years old, but he's just physically an absolute nuisance around the breakdown. Yeah, absolutely. Two two players that that without a doubt have the physical attributes um, to be top quality internationals. And look, we've we've known about Tom Ahern for a couple of years. Um, uh, a dog boy we 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 saw on the big stage last year a little bit, um, but obviously highly touted for for lots for a long time from from his time in the Cove Pirates all the way through. People were saying, "Watch this kid! Watch this kid!" So, um, and and yeah. I, They've got two senior internationals, uh, three senior internationals technically ahead of them, but it's enough games during the season for for all the provinces to to bring those through, you know. And I think Roundtree, Roundtree will do what's best for them. Um, and I think Tom Hearn would have been, would we would have seen more Tom Hearns, Tom Hearn, if he didn't have those niggles that he's had. But to be fair, when he's been fit uh, and there's been opportunities to play them, so uh, yeah, it's it's exciting, it's really exciting because they're the type of. Of, like I said this before you don't need to produce 12 players out of your academy every year mm. uh, who can play URC um, are, the, the key thing is how many of them can you produce that can become Champions Cup players you know uh, in, in your team that's the like one or two of them every year and the coaching staff will, will be delighted uh, and both those have that profile um, that they could be Champions Cup players at the very least and and potentially good internationals. Yeah. And while we're on the, the topic of good young players with massive futures, I might just move it on to Leinster because we're, we're running out of time a bit. Mm-hmm. But um, Jamie Osborne, he missed the first game of the season, but came in against the, the Sharks and Edinburgh at the weekend, player of the match against Edinburgh. And Johnny, we were talking off air before we started. And like you've, he, he's someone you know quite well through, through, um, the underage stuff and through through Nace Rugby Club as well. And um he just looks like a player who's who's got it all. Like he's six foot four, 17 stone. He can kick the ball an absolute mile. He's light on his feet. He's he's a complete package kind of a player, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And from the very first time that I would have coached Jamie was uh kind of the COVID year in the AIL. Um uh, he actually played for Leinster before he played for for Nace in the AIL. He's only one cap for 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 Nace. Um, but automatically when he came down training, he picked up things instantly. Uh, he's one of these players that you don't think he's traveling that fast, but he just glides across the ground, covers so much ground. Uh, defensively, his reads are excellent, um, and he's a left foot which opens up. Um, you know the other side of the pitch. Um and yeah, he just just gets it. Um and he's big, strong lad, as you said. Um he's he's a real um he's a real rugby kind of student. Like he would have spent a lot of time, you know, even on our huddle platform in terms of um, you know, watching, trying to get up to scratch on calls and plays. Um, you know, there's a timer that shows how much time someone can will view stuff on huddle his was always when he was with us was always uh the highest by a long long way um 
yeah, I can't speak highly enough of him. Um, and he's he's a great lad as well. But I think you know this is now time where you're going to see him really excel and cement himself for four year for four years time within that kind of World Cup frame and World Cup cycle. Um, and I think you know he can really kick forward and hopefully get a couple of caps over the next kind of uh, year or so. And then uh, and then it's where you play him. You know, is he going to be that number twenty three when everyone is fit because he covers from twelve out? Um, does that help him? It helps him in a World Cup year, but does it help him in every other year where he plays a lot of URC but comes off the bench in a lot of Heineken Cup games? Um, or does he get the opportunity to to your to usurp the centers that are ahead of him, or um, you know, or or, or at fullback? It's that's that's one thing. So that's that's the only thing that, even though it's a huge strength, being so versatile is probably something that can go against them when it comes to selection for, um, you know, for starting. Where do you see him, Birch? I want to go on the record here. Um, oh, the All Blacks have the Barretts. We have the Osbournes. There's more coming. There's more coming. They only they only got three three of their family to be All Blacks at the same time. Watch for the for the Osborne, the Osborne's making up a, 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 most of a backline in years to come. There's a couple more coming, isn't there, Johnny? So we've, yeah, we've Andrew, uh, Andrew was Andrew was twenty. Yeah, no, no, I'm talking about the lowest. Andrew is coming as well. Andrew, their youngest brother is actually the same age as my son. He's uh he's quite he, he's uh seven or eight. He's he's in Nice Minis, um and uh, without putting pressure on him, he's he he he's well able to move. Anyway, that's all I'll say. <laughs> But there's another Johnny, isn't there? Is there someone? Is it Fordham? Fordham. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I yeah. don't think sure for, but yeah. Oh, there is another. I, I think there is at at youth that. Yeah. Youth. Yeah. 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 I believe he's very good as well. Now look at it. It'll be amazing. So Jamie, Jamie set the he's setting the path, uh, and it's interesting. You know, I think Brian O'Driscoll played um, played for for Ireland before he played for Leinster. I think uh, James Ryan did something. Similar and the fact that you know yeah, Jamie Osborne had played, played, for, played for Leinster before he played AI. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and Jamie obviously you said played for Leinster before he played for 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 Nace. So, um, yeah, there's no coincidence that those guys. And look at the problem for Jamie is obviously he's in, he's in a very competitive area full of world class players, both at Province and for Ireland. But um, every time you see him play, uh, he he stands out, doesn't he? Yeah. And yeah. where where would you see his best position being, Birch? I think in the centre. Yeah, I'm, um, I think yeah, maybe twelve, maybe twelve, twelve probably. Um, we're pretty much out of time. We'll get in more into what Jack Nienaber is going to do with Leinster. I'd I'd say next week because there's a lot to a lot to talk about in that. But across these first couple of three games, obviously, Birch Leinster have used a lot of inexperienced players and two wins out of three, I think is a reasonable enough return from us. Two home wins, one away defeat, scored plenty of tries, have looked really good at times, have looked a little bit scrappy at times, but probably to be expected with the with the players they have. Any any more of those younger players that have kind of hopped out for you? Yeah, I thought Byron, I thought Lee Byron, the hooker, was very good at the weekend. Um, and uh, challenges again, he's pretty pretty strong in, in, in that area which with Sheen um with Kelleher with, with McKee uh but he he did really well. Uh I, I you know I like both loose heads a lot, Jack Boyle and Paddy McCarthy. Um 
they're the you know they're the ones. Obviously, Tommy O'Brien, we know about Max Deegan, we know about, and they've been excellent. Uh, but it's probably those. Yeah, I would say those three front rowers, Baron, uh, McCarthy, and and Boyle, um, are players that maybe not this season, but in time we we'll, we'll see a lot of. Johnny, last last word to you. Anyone you want to kind of name check from those those few Leinster games? Yeah, well, I think obviously uh, I'd know the the front row guys quite well. Obviously, they would have played against us in in, in school. Mm. Uh, they're you know they're they've been uh kind of probably a streets ahead of guys for since they've probably been 16, 17, 18. And you look at their cup campaign, what they did over those years. Um, so I would have always then, and then obviously you know there's a lot of talk about someone that's been around, you know, last number of year. But for me, obviously, and my connection with the movie Sam Prendergast and and how and where he can where he can potentially get to in this period and and what's going to happen to him over the next 18 months. Um he'd be the obviously the kind of standout for me, but that's just because of my personal connection with him. Um but yeah the the two props are 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 lads that I would have not enjoyed watching play against us. Um but they've been They've been head and shoulders above uh, above a lot of people in their age grade. So I think it's gonna, as Bert said, take a probably a couple of years, but they're they're two to things so along with Sammy. Very good. Um finally, before we wrap up, didn't get a prediction on Munster and Ulster uh this Friday night for me. Very quickly, who's gonna win that interpro on Friday night? Bert, I'll go with you first. Munster. Johnny? Yeah, same Munster, I think will win, yeah. Okay, two wins for Munster. Well, that game is live on RT2 and RT Player Friday night, as is Leinster away to the Dragons on Sunday afternoon. We'll be back for more on the RT Rugby podcast this time next week. Thanks to Johnny and Birch as usual. And we'll speak to you again soon.